I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast in association with Advantage Go, enabling underwriters to increase the speed and accuracy of decision-making. Alex Maloney has been running the Lancashire Group of Companies for six and a half years. For much of that time, the business has been keeping its powder dry, waiting for a moment to exploit a change in market conditions and resume growth. That moment seemed to come in Q2 of this year with a new equity capital raise. In this interview, I asked Alex about his plans to deploy this renewed firepower. I found him invigorated and looking to expand aggressively and diversify in the new year as large segments of the market come back and business flows change. I also got to know a little more of the singular and strong character that has made this business both an outlier and an outperformer since its foundation 15 years ago. Enjoy the podcast. Before we get started, I'm here with Rick Lindsay, Chairman of Prime Holdings and the CEO of Claims Direct Access, who have kindly supported this podcast. Rick, first, thanks so much for your support. Why don't you briefly tell us about the Prime Group and CDA and what they could do for our listeners? Sure. Prime Holdings is a holding company, and we're excited to expand our claims TPA service, Claims Direct Access, which is the exclusive claims manager for Prime Insurance Company and has managed claims for Lloyd's since 1995 when we've been on the Lloyd's line slip as a risk taker. So we plan on coming over to London and uh, hopefully providing our partners more flexibility where we can issue prime paper where necessary. We can support and take risk on the Lloyd's line slip and offer our superior claim service, which is evidenced by Prime's own loss ratio for the past 10 years. I believe that claims is the key to success in our business. That's really the only thing we do that adds value. Obviously, you can be a good underwriter, and if the claims falls apart, the underwriting's a waste of time. If you're a good underwriter, you need to balance the scale with good claims. So again, we're excited to bring superior claim service to the Lloyd's marketplace and offer the ability to share risk alongside them as we manage the claims. Well, thanks so much, Rick. Um, I'll make sure there are all the right links in the podcast notes and let's get on with the podcast. So Alex, I was just checking the calendar the other day and I was seeing that Lancashire was pretty much coming up 15 years since foundation when that float on the London Stock Exchange. What's your plan for the next 15 years? <laughs> Start with an easy one, I thought. Yeah, exactly. No, we, um, we continue to grow our business, particularly in, in the marketplace we're now in. And I think in the next 15 years, you'll see a more diversified broader business than we currently have. But the key for us is going to be achieving that without losing our underwriting DNA. You know, that is just key for our business. And we subscribe to the view that the insurance and reinsurance market will always be cyclical. Therefore, you have to have good underwriting as your foundation. And if you achieve that, everything else around the edges should be somewhat easier. So for us, we need to continue to build our brand. We continue to hire new talent. And I think that if you look at our business today, in 15 years' time, it will be led and managed by some of the people that we've already hired. And I think homegrown talent for us is really what we pride ourselves on. And that has been key throughout our history. Even in the early days of Lancashire, you know, most people running the business today were there in the early days of Lancashire. And I think some of the people we have in our business today will be leading our business in 15 years' time. What do you attribute that to? What is that core DNA of Lancashire and why homegrown and something quite singular about the way that Lancashire goes about its business? Yeah, I think the underwriting piece for me is key and accepting the market is cyclical is key. So if you think about where we are today, we believe our business is in 
a great position for a market that's improving daily. But that's really born out of the underwriting work that we've done in the soft cycle. So I think if you get your underwriting right, everything else runs off that in companies such as these. And I think the soft cycle is where most companies fall foul. And it's very hard being disciplined in those years, but you see the benefit of where we are today. I think when it comes to the people, you know, Lancashire has always been a different kind of company from day one. We're arguably, we're more normal today than what we were in the early days. And because we're not the same as the majority of the market, you, you need a certain cultural base in the business. And we've always had a very strong cultural base in the business. And we've just tend to found over the years that internal promotions and giving people the opportunity to arguably have big jobs at a young age has really benefited our company. And I think we'll continue to do that. It's a great advertisement for junior people in our business to look at some of the people that are in senior positions and believe that they can achieve the same. If people ask me what, what's Lancashire all about, I would say one thing, a big part of that DNA was that certainly a lack of ambition to grow the balance sheet just for the sake of it and an absolute willingness always to return any excess capital that you felt you couldn't necessarily deploy back to the shareholders, special dividends and keeping your capital base about the same. You mentioned about growth now. Is that changing? Do you think that you could start to become a bigger balance sheet company and that you have ambition to be bigger? I think our view of that will never change, i.e. if there's not smart things to do with your capital providers, capital, you should hand the capital back. I think we've demonstrated that across our business. We demonstrated in our ILS business that we weren't prepared to raise capital unless we felt that the underwriting opportunities were good enough. So our view is that that is the way that you have superior returns over a longer period of time, and you have to be disciplined you have to be patient. But equally, there will be times when the underwriting opportunities improve, as we've seen this year. And we always say to shareholders that in the soft market years, when we were returning capital, we very much said that we would be back one day when the underwriting opportunity warranted it, and we'd be asking for additional capital, which is what we've done this year. But we do have an ambition to grow. And I personally have an ambition to grow the business and be prepared for the next soft cycle. It seems quite negative talking about the next soft cycle, but there's going to be a real opportunity in the next three to five years to get Lancashire to the next level, which will help us navigate the next soft cycle. So yes, we are in growth mode. You are going to see a bigger business all the time. The underwriting opportunities are there. It's unlikely we would be returning capital to shareholders. In fact, you may see more of what we've done this year and actually raising more capital if the underwriting opportunity warrants that. I suppose the other part of the DNA of Lancashire, I would have said, is very focused on short tail lines. So do you think you can ever see a time where you'd be in to longer tail lines as part of that diversification and growth that you're talking about? So we have actually made the decision this year to go into some longer tail lines, and we will start underwriting a casualty book from our Bermuda platform in January. And for me, that's driven out the opportunity you see in the casualty world. And I tend to subscribe to the view that short tail business is just easier to understand, but I do think there's an opportunity in the casualty space, hence why we've gone into that market. And I think if you look at the product lines that we've gone into in the last two to three years, generally they've been at a time of some dislocation and there's been an opportunity for Lancashire to hire some great people and to go into product lines that we weren't currently in, but at a time where the market is resetting, where rates are going up. So we feel... Now is the right time to go into casualty for Lancashire. 
We're not proposing to change the shape of the business materially and casualty will be a smaller segment of what we do. But arguably, if you look at the opportunity in that in that marketplace, it's probably the best it's been in 20 years. So it's always about sticking to what you're good at, but also having your mind open to opportunities. And I think just sticking to what we've always done will get us so far. But looking at a new opportunity should allow Lancashire to move up the ranks to the next level. Obviously, long tail lines, I suppose, the one thing about them is that you can't necessarily just get in and get out again that quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's a strategic thing. And now you will be in for the long term into those long tail lines. Yes, we will. And one of the attractions when we hired the team was one of the questions from the team that we hired was, will you allow us to manage the cycle? And, and that obviously was music to our ears. So I think like any class of business, there will be times to write more of that class of business and, and times to write less. So we'll still adopt the Lancashire philosophy to underwrite into casualty. But yes, this is a strategic opportunity for us for the long term. Let's talk about the market itself. What's your view of where we are in the rate adequacy cycle at the moment? It's clearly improving. Each product line is on a different journey and you're coming out of a many years of soft cycle. So some product lines that we underwrite need a lot of attention. Some product lines have already seen multiple years of rate hardening. I think at the moment, anything that's catastrophe exposed is seeing some dramatic changes in pricing. And obviously, we see that as an opportunity. But I think in general, when our market talks about adequacy, adequacy really should only really be based on what your capital providers need as a return. And logically, that hurdle should be lower in a zero interest rate environment. But equally, we are still in the risk business. And if you look at the industry results for the last five years, I would argue they are too low for the volatility that we assume. You know, I think people always ask, or underwriters in particular are always looking to peg a hard market to a previous hard market. I don't think it's simple as that because there's lots of other dynamics. And I think in a zero interest rate environment, today's hard market may look very different to an 06 or a 2001. I suppose back in 2001, we probably had real interest rates at about, I don't know, 4 or 5% and probably the same in 06. In fact, that you did recently say that this is nowhere near the best market in living memory. What would it take at this 1-1 renewal to change your mind about that? Yeah, I think I said that because I read some comments where some individuals were saying that, and I just didn't think that was entirely correct. Clearly, 2020 has been the year where rates have really moved and people start talking about the hard market. And I think in certain classes of business, you know, you're definitely there. But I think a true hard market is when brokers really struggle to finish placements. And that's what a hard market feels like to me. And I think in certain classes of business, that's happening, but you're not seeing that across the board at the moment. That's not to say I don't think that won't happen, but I just don't think we're quite there yet across the market. So for me, it's when the brokers are really struggling and 06 was a good example of that. 01 was a good example of that. I don't think we're quite there yet, but that's not to say we won't get there next year. And actually within that improving environment, where are the best places at the moment? I'm sure we all know that primary DNO for public companies in the US or, or anywhere else is probably pretty prime. But otherwise, where else are you seeing good rate changes? I think for us at the moment, anything that's cat exposed it is difficult for brokers to place. Uh, you've seen a noticeable change in appetite from certain big carriers on property programs, which is actually a great story for London. You know, we see a lot of business coming back into Lloyd's, coming back into the company market that was written 
100% in the US and some of those clients are paying multiples of what they did before. And we see that as an opportunity. But obviously, there has been a change in appetite in our marketplace. We have seen people reduce their exposure to particularly cat-exposed business. And that's what's driving the price and opportunities, which is why we are growing in those areas. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we've done our capital raise in June was to take further opportunity in that space. And we only saw that really change in Q2. Q2 was when I'd sit on our daily underwriting call, which is fascinating, and you'd see the market changing day by day. And that's when we saw the market really start to move. So you would expect that to at least continue into 21. And it just feels like people are resetting their risk levels, looking at their capital base. Obviously, COVID is a factor in all of this, and that's driving the opportunity. So for us, catch-exposed businesses, well, most of the opportunity is, but in pretty much everything we underwrite, rates are going up and we are growing into that opportunity. You've kept your powder dry during the soft market, not done anything silly. And also you've raised fresh capital now, fresh powder. So coming up to the, the one run renewals, what's your priority? Is it just to really grow now that you're getting the rate or would you like to improve the terms and conditions upon which you're writing that business? What's the priority for you? Clearly, Mark, I'm going to say both, aren't I? I think in a soft cycle, you have to give up ground on terms and conditions and pricing. And I think as the market hardens, you can claw both of those back. I think for us, growth is where we want to be. And the terms and conditions are hardening anyway. But for us, it is about growth. It's about deploying the capital. We told our shareholders we would in six to 12 months, and we're on track for that. But yeah, we are looking to grow aggressively into 21. And also, sometimes the great thing about a hard market is just you finally get the opportunity to be shown business that you've been wanting to get on for a while. Is that also priority to get on some of the things that you've been waiting out for? A while? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think for us, it's about in the soft cycle. For us, it was more about what we didn't do, and you know, our approach really was a, a very simple one of hunkering down and waiting for better times. And obviously, better times are now here. And I think now that gives us the opportunity to sort of deepen some relationships with some clients, build out some of the lines we have. As you said, there's lots of new business that's coming into our office and it's working out where we can build deeper relationships for the long term. So again, I just see the hard market as a real opportunity to change the products that we have, deepen the relationships, grow the business and take the Lancashire to the next level for the next stage of our business. Alex, you mentioned earlier about the Kinesis platform and you mentioned about being patient during what was a particularly soft cycle in ILS. Do you think now you're getting growth there? Is that really a vindication of that patience? I think so. I think when we think about our capital providers, we've got three main capital providers. We've got people that provide capital to our ILS platform. We've got Lloyd's Names at Syndicate 2010. And we've got our equity shareholders. And I think you just have to treat everyone the same. And our general view is that if you accept people's capital for a return, you have to manage that accordingly. And you have to think about the long term. And in the ILS space, we've always treated our capital providers the same as the names or or our equity capital providers. And we just weren't interested in just deploying capital for fees. You know, we saw that as a short term opportunity and we always felt that because we believe in the cycle that the better times would come and our capital providers would thank us for that. And we have returned capital to those guys before. We have looked at 
annual draws and we didn't deploy all the capital and we paid that money back to those providers and that cost us money, but that was a long-term strategy. So I think you should always think about all capital providers over the long term. You shouldn't get tempted to short-term opportunities. And I think you will see the benefits of that in the harder cycle as we're seeing now. So I think we treat everyone the same. Treat it as if it was your own money. Yeah, it's an old-fashioned saying, but it's true, isn't it? I suppose we can't do a podcast in 2020 without asking about COVID and how it's affected the market. But how has it affected the market? Has it affected the psychology of the market, the animal spirits, or is it more material than that? For me, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. I think the market was quite weak already. We've had a number of difficult years, particularly for catastrophe-exposed business. And I think it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And ultimately, it was the uncertainty of COVID, particularly back in Q2. It was the uncertainty of COVID. It was the uncertainty of financial markets. And that just brought a higher level of uncertainty to our market. And you saw how people behaved. As I said, Q2 for us is when our market really changed. And I think no management team, no investor, no non-exec director wants the uncertainty that COVID brings and continues to bring. But you have to also balance that with the opportunity. So for me, COVID is one part of the picture. The opportunity has brought us as a business is the other part of the picture. But equally, people will have to live with the COVID uncertainty for a number of years. I'm firmly of the view that it's way too early to call what COVID losses will bring to our industry, even on the first party side. Clearly, the third party side of the COVID losses will run for years. So like our personal lives, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID over the medium term. But you can't ignore the opportunity it's brought for us as a business. You mentioned about Syndicate 2010, and you mentioned about much more favourable conditions for Lloyds and the London market in general, with a better business flow. So is Lloyds really still that attractive platform for growth? I think for us it is. We always saw Lloyds as a piece in the puzzle for us, and we have been able to achieve a growth plan in excess of where we believe rates are going to be in Lloyds. And we have the opportunity to constantly talk to the regulators in Lloyds about any further growth opportunity. So I think it is for us. And Lloyd's is close to the perfect underwriting model. You have worldwide licenses, you have a great brand. There's a lot of talent in the London market that currently sit in Lloyd's. So I think it is for us. We have two syndicates. 2010 is a more of a cat-focused syndicate. And obviously that's been difficult for the last few years, but syndicate 10 is now light touch. So we have a lot of opportunity to grow in Lloyd's as we do outside of the group. But I think the general message for us is we will grow everywhere as the opportunity improves. And we're agnostic about where the growth comes from. But equally, if business should be in Lloyd's, I would always prefer it to grow within Lloyd's and not outside of the Lloyd's business. Lloyd's obviously is really in the middle of a big reform program. And the latest staging post in that was the Blueprint 2 unveiling. Do you think that's the right direction for Lloyd's? really getting to the core systems, really going right to the heart with data? I think every insurance business in the world probably struggles with systems and legacy systems. And anyone who's done m and knows how difficult that is. And I think for Lloyd's, that's clearly the way to go. I think we all agree that costs are too much in our business. And lots of the business that we currently underwrite is probably too overcomplicated. And a simplification of lots of things we do has to make sense. So I think it is where... Lloyd should go. And I think all businesses should seek to see technology as the opportunity it can be, 
but equally I would also say it's only one part of the picture so I never subscribe to technology is going to completely change everything we do I would always start with underwriting but clearly there's probably some low hanging fruit that we can all take advantage of by having better systems and processes behind us and I think as a market let's be honest we've never sought to be at the front of the queue to bring a lot of change in and that's probably been a mistake. So Alex, we're running quite a progressive shop. Are you attracted by some of these recent developments in things like automatic follow underwriting, for example? I suppose follow underwriting is always quite difficult for me to accept because I've got the scars of the past and I've seen what's happening in our market before. For us, I think we'd always try to be a leader. But look, we would not not look at some of these opportunities. I'd have to be convinced that the governance and the way that you're treated as a following underwriter was robust because clearly I, I, along with everyone else, have seen the the mistakes that have been made in the past. So I'm always going to struggle because that's it's just not in my DNA and I want Lancashire to be a leading underwriter. But equally, we should never just throw opportunities out that quickly. Do you think some of this artificial intelligence is now getting intelligent enough, particularly if it's now going to be fed with much better quality data, that it could be a fantastic enhancement for a really great, intuitive, intelligent, smart and experienced human underwriter with all these other tools backing them up and really making them look at things twice or giving them new ideas and finding new potentially profitable pockets of business, for example? I think it depends on the product line. One thing I will say to our shareholders is if you think about car insurance and we're all old enough to remember buying your first car and insuring your first car, which was quite laborious and a human would do that for you, wouldn't they? You know, you'd, you'd ring up a human and they would ring you back in the afternoon with some quotes and now you can do the same process on your phone commuting home from the office. So I think it depends on the product line. As I said earlier, there's probably classes of business that can be automated I think for us at Lancashire, what we're trying to do is just stick to specialty classes. So going back to my car insurance example, if you think about the car insurance world today, if you've got a standard car and you're a standard driver, you can go to any one of the platforms and you can get a variety of quotes in in 10 minutes and and that's perfectly adequate for your needs. The second you're a non-standard driver or you have a non-standard vehicle, you have to go for a broker. So at Lancashire, we are trying to build our business around non-standard specialty insurance and reinsurance. And I don't believe the transaction will change. The back office may change, but I don't think the way that we transact business will change because each of our clients have very individual needs. But I do believe there's a lot of standard business or business that's overcomplicated for no logical reason that can be automated and that makes perfect sense to me. So I suppose as Lancashire, you're almost actively seeking out the higher complexity where you feel you can add the higher amount of value. Exactly. Higher complexity, difficult classes of business, and where clients need a more personal relationship is where we're building our business. And I think that makes sense. If you look at the larger companies and where they're going to go, ultimately, I think the larger companies are going to spend huge amounts of money on technology, and they're ultimately going to fight the brokers for market share. We are a broker market. That's what we do. We're not a big enough company to play that game, but ultimately that's where it's going to go. We've been following this insurtech phenomenon for the last four to five years, and we've seen a couple of the poster children of that change, IPOing recently, and some of them with valuations probably at market caps slightly higher than Lancashire's. Has anything out of that insurtech phenomenon impressed you particularly, or something that you wish you could um, bring into your organisation? 
It's definitely in the valuations, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I think I really admire these guys. I think they are entrepreneurial people that are trying to crack our market. And it'd be very easy to just write off some of these companies and say they're not going to be successful. But I think they will. But again, I think over the long term, they're going to have to show their businesses are sustainable and they're going to have to justify their valuations as we all do over time. So I think I can see why investors are seeing this as a huge opportunity. It's obvious that there's a gap in the market, but I do think the valuations will catch up with these people over time because it does for all of us. But equally, as I said earlier, there's clearly some low hanging fruit and the investors that are backing these companies clearly see that. Thanks so much for your time, Alex. One thing I wanted to ask you, again, just to go back to that culture of Lancashire, which seems to be incredibly consistent over the last 15 years. And you mentioned about having an underwriting call. And I remember having an early interview with the company's founder about that kind of thing. And that, that was quite an interesting, innovative culture. Do you think part of that founder's culture still lives on in the business and will continue to do so? Yeah, I think it does. If you think about what we've always prided ourselves on in Lancashire, it's been good underwriting, capital management, and just managing the insurance cycle over the long term. And to that, we believe you have to be a nimble company. And all those things we've done from day one in Lancashire, and we continue to do those. Because I think they are fundamental to running a successful underwriting company over the long term. So it would be a mistake to change any of those great things that we've done from day one. But clearly, we're also a very different business to the earlier days of Lancashire. And as I said at the very start of our chat, I think for us, it's about moving the company on, going to the next level, but maintaining the DNA that we've had. Because I just 100% believe that if you get the foundation of underwriting correct, everything else is relatively easy. And that will hold us in good stead for the next 15 years. Thanks so much, Alex. Good luck with the upcoming renewals. And um, we'll book in a time sometime in 2021 to have a catch up. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much, Alex. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this programme. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost-effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan, in association with Advantage Go enabling underwriters to increase the speed and accuracy of decision-making. Original music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.